Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Hi there, welcome back. It's Davina Stanley here with Richard Bedcalf on the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. Now, Richard, you've got another curly question for us today. What is it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are going to get into another another uh, question to help you multiply your impact. And this question is, what's the dissonance? Uh, and another way of saying it as well is, who's speaking the unwelcome truth? So what's the dissonance and who's speaking the unwelcome truth? How often is the unwelcome truth the very best truth you've been given in a very long time, even if it stings? Can be yeah. such a valuable thing to receive if we can let our defences now and listen. But um, it's, it's hard to do it, isn't it? It's hard to speak up when you've got it, it that, that unwelcome message to deliver. Well, and what I'm finding is that you know, as I'm working with high-level leaders, a lot of them actually uh, have a, a gap. They don't have enough unwelcome truth in their life. Now, they might, on one level, they might say, you know, I get unwelcome news every day, right? But they often find themselves, as, you know, as, as a senior leader, you'll find yourself surrounded by yes-men, right? People who are telling you what they think you want to hear. And mm-hmm, they don't mm-hmm. often do it deliberately, but you know, who, who wants to be the bearer of bad tidings, you know, who wants to go head to head against somebody who's more senior than you and who's got their own very full, clear ideas about how things are. And uh, at the end of the day, despite how much permission you give people, it can be really hard because at the end of the day, is it really worth the risk to have that conversation with my manager or with my leader? And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, and in addition, we know about confirmation bias, right? We know that we are wired to look for things that reinforce our current beliefs and our current perceptions. And so if you combine, as a leader, your own confirmation bias, which we all have, and the fact that we're less likely to have challenging conversations from the people around us, then that makes, puts us in a bit of a precarious position. It does. And I'm actually thinking back to a prudential inquiry here in Australia into some of our, one of our banks in particular. And one of the comments made there was that there was a culture of hiding the truth from the senior executive. Mm. And when working in that organisation, sometimes people will say to me, yes, we've got a very upward facing culture where we're very careful what we send up. And I Mm. think one, one has to be courteous and careful about what one sends up, of course, but I think you there's a very big danger, particularly the closer you get to the top, to um, mm. not deliver those messages. But also, if you're not getting them, work out a way to get them. Find a hack. Yeah, and it's also, you know? I mean, it's interesting to think about what's the, what, why is that happening? And perhaps sometimes it's because mm. if you bring a, a message up to your senior leader, 
they're just going to push the problem back on you. In other words, there is such a culture. I mean, there's such a culture of being like can do and like problem solving. Don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Right. Mm-hmm. And I see that in clients. Like it's a good, that's a good mindset to have. But there are times where you haven't got the solution. It's above your pay grade in a, in a certain way. You know, you don't have the span of control. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm. And it's not actually in some way it's not actually you're with it you know you're within your purview you can't deal with this but you see it and and so that culture of well I, I don't want to come and whinge I don't want to come and just give a problem can kind of backfire in that mm. sense so how do you I actually think. do it then how do you do it constructively and what what are some yeah. strategies for getting um delivering some unwelcome news to somebody who you, you think might be resistant yeah. So, well, I think there's, there's two ways of looking at it, right? So there's um, how do you deliver it to somebody else? And also how do you create the culture where people deliver it to you? Uh, yes, yes. Right. Yes. And so I'd probably focus on that second question. But mm-hmm. even before we get there, I'd step back and just say, are you really committed to hearing unwelcome truths? Or are you really mm-hmm. actually committed to dissonance? Because actually the corporate world um is addicted to certainty and in some ways simplicity right we just want like just give me a simple message that we can all execute on uh rather than accepting that there are these contradictions these these divergences these dissonances and having to live with that but in complexity in this world where there's so many interlocking pieces no one has anything like the full picture right? Not even the best leader is going to be able to see mm-hmm. all the factors and all the drivers impacting their business. And that's why, in a sense, this diversity movement has arisen. I'm obviously partially because there's a social mm-hmm. justice part of it. But in part of it, it's because actually, it makes sense to say, we need divergent perspectives to allow us to triangulate mm-hmm. on a problem and understand it in its entirety, or in, at least in, in, in a in a bigger to a bigger degree so you know if you spend your entire life in the usa in finance then you're going to see the world in a very specific way Mm. uh if you've actually spent some time in the us in finance and then you move to you know hong kong and you worked in marketing you're going to have a whole different view on situations Mm. and you're going to see the world through a different lens and then if you actually move to south africa and you work in operations you're going to see the world again in a very different way um, but most of us, we don't have all that experience in our in ourselves. Hopefully, we've picked up different ways of looking at the world. Um, but in the absence of having all of those experiences um, and just our day-to-day life, not being able to cover everything, if we're a senior exec, we're not mm-hmm. going to have the ground-level viewpoint, then how do we create, how do we seek out those alternative viewpoints those that mm. disconfirming evidence right how are we going to get ourselves out of our own echo chamber and mm. you asked about practically how you can do that well I think mm. in a sense um there's a couple of moves you can make right the first move is to uh find somebody who is willing to challenge you hard and push you and ask you the hard questions you know, I can do that for my clients it's often the role of a coach but there are obviously many other people that might be able to fulfill that role I find in organizations it is quite hard when you have people who have a stake in the game to fully do that. But you might have, you know, a, a co-founder, you might have uh, somebody else who's perhaps uh, just there by their personality is going to be really good at that. So I think that's mm-hmm. one. And then I think the other one is to say, what are the structures I'm going to create where this actually becomes easy? 
so where I'm really giving permission and I'm not giving whether and there where there isn't like where there really isn't a negative consequence to doing it in the words if you say to people yeah yeah just come anytime guys tell me what you think you know really feel free to push back you're kind of giving permission but people don't take it because yeah well you say that but the last time somebody dared argue with you you just told them why they were wrong and why they were stupid so why would I want to do it again right so those things can be harder to do so I think just just reiterating that you want it isn't going to be enough but if you were to say look you know I like you know please come and you know give me a presentation to tell us what the five key risks are with our strategy right or uh, you know if you know, if my late, if my current idea fails, what would be the reasons why it's going to fail? Uh, you know, perhaps getting you know two teams to work on different parts of the argument and come back with presentation. You know, you can start to build things like that, where um, actually success is presenting the disconfirming evidence, the alternative viewpoint. And what do you do then when you ask your team and say, "Please come with the five big risks that you see." And they water them down so much to play it safe because the last time they, they fear mm, that mm. you're going to slap them down if you do, or just disagree with them and write them off. Maybe you're just dismissive. Maybe it's not even an aggressive response. Yes. What do you do? How do you build the trust? Hello, it's Richard here with a quick interlude. These conversations are all about upgrading how you think about creating impact. So here's a resource to help you do just that whilst staying fast and focused. The CEO's checklist for challenging times is a quick way to enhance your thinking and detect blind spots, even when things are moving incredibly fast and you're not sure what's going to happen next. You can get this powerful checklist of 17 world-class strategies by heading to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash challenging times checklist with a hyphen between each of those three last words. Now, back to the conversation. Well, it's, it's interesting. If I just jump back and give an example on that, when I was in, um, in telecoms um, back in the 2000, early 2000s, just before the telecoms crash, our company was doing some scenario planning for the future. Um, and for internal strategy and uh, at the time I wasn't heavily involved in the process. I was a little bit too junior, but um, what I know is that they came up with three or four scenarios representing how the market could evolve and the mm. company's response to each of them. And they eliminated, they were told to eliminate one of the scenarios because it wasn't going to happen and it wasn't worth looking at. And that was like the kind of catastrophe scenario, right? Uh, and six months later, what happened? The catastrophe, the catastrophe scenario. scenario. The, you know, the, 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 um, the bubble was burst in the market. All the stock prices collapsed. Um, you know, all this new entrants started going out of business, all that, right? Exactly what happened. Mm. And the business had to lay off 30% mm. of its staff. Oh, um, ouch. And so it was because this kind of really hard, you say, like this real kind of extreme yeah. scenario uh, wasn't taken seriously. And so I suppose if what do you do if people come back with um, with things you feel are playing too safe? Well, I mean, I've, I guess mm. you've got to look at yourself, right? You've got to say, well, what mm. am I doing as a leader that's creating this scenario? Mm. Absolutely. Um, and then I think 
the, the main thing you need to do is either, um, I suppose you want to say there's nothing here that makes me particularly annoyed or angry. I mean, you could always pick it into a game, right? Like, you know, none of this is, <laughs> like, none of this is, this is not shocking enough, you know? Yes. Like, yes. So, um, you know, I, I know one person who gave his, um, you would give his team flowers or, you know, gifts when they messed up. <laughs> Because he was like, well, I'm, I, we talk about encouraging you know, experimentation and, and stuff. And therefore, when you mess up, it obviously means you've been pushing and you've been trying to do new things. Yeah, so I want to celebrate yeah. that. And yeah. how many of us actually follow through and say, oh, yeah, we want everyone to you know, fail fast and all the rest of it. And then you do fail and everyone's like, you screwed up. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, so true. So true. Yes. Yeah. So I guess that, that's kind of what, I, what I'd be saying here is, um, I suppose for me, the, the how, the what do I do, that all kind of come. But the point of this question, where's the dissonance and who's speaking the unwelcome truth is to get you to look for that. And once you start mm-hmm. to look for it, either you will find it and you will actually draw those people closer to you or spend more time engaging with that, uh, or you'll, you won't find it. And you'll start to think about what's the opportunities that I have. So I'm not so concerned about giving people a four point plan for for doing it, because I think Mm -hmm. the point of these questions is to get you thinking in a new way. It's like, am I in an echo chamber? You know, if everyone around me believes my strategy is the good one, then I probably have don't have enough people around me. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I I can see that happening. So, Richard, who speaks the unwelcome truth to you in your team? Do you have someone in your team or in your life that does that for you? Well, um, I've got to be honest. My wife's very good at speaking unwelcome truth to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that, that definitely happens. Um, uh, it's a very familiar one to us. And I think in, in the business, yeah, I've made, it, I've made a point to... Um, to put a few people around me. Um, I think sometimes in our conversations, you do that to me, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say something and you will um, call me out on some of my, um, you know, less good ideas. And, um, uh, but I have a number ways, of other... I might add, yeah, I might add that <laughs> definitely works two ways. Yeah. And I have another couple of other people who, um, yeah. who I'll, I have, you know, my diary, you have a couple of other coaches that I will uh, speak to on this mm-hmm. um, to be pushed because, yeah. especially when you're running your own business, it's very easy just to do whatever you want to do. And you can and move not... very, very quickly too and not go and think properly about ideas yes. that you've got. And if you're really excited about it, I think it's really hard for people to challenge you and to, yes. you know, for you, A, to notice them because you're moving so quickly, but also for people to not want to get in the way of your enthusiasm you know you're so excited about a new project or a new idea and someone thinks well isn't that rubbish or she's going about that backwards and and it's just oh well she'll work it out because I don't want to I don't want to you know deflate her balloon she's too too excited about this one Mm. and the other one and the other one is thinking about customers right so you know, often we'll reach out to customers, you know, because we want to get a testimonial or we want to find out mm. how they're going to rate us and we, we want the high scores and we want, um, but actually really asking for the unwelcome truth from them yes. is a, is a bit of a scary thing, but yeah, if it's the yeah. truth, it's already there anyway, and we better find out about it. Much better, much better. Painful sometimes, but much, much better. 
so um, I've done that on occasion. It's I mean I, I do obviously do try to ask my customers, you know, what they're mm. what's going well and what's you know mm. what they'd like to change. Um, and generally, you know, it's great, you know, we've got a repeat business and it's always kind of all good. But you know, perhaps if I pushed more to really say like, you know, really yeah, tell me, yeah. like, give it to me straight, right? Like, really, yeah. like, if you were going to, um, you know, if you're going to get really mad about something or one thing just irritating you or whatever, yeah, yeah what is it? Yeah. What's the one thing that you don't want to tell me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that could be an interesting conversation. And what, what we do um, at the end when people leave Clarity First is they have a, a set of questions to complete. Obviously, they don't have to, but yeah. we ask them to, you know, why are you leaving? And You've got a series of options, but also, you know, if there's some, what are the things you liked the most about the program? And if mm. you were to change something, what would that be? What would it be? Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's something we're trying to get in the habit of asking more often at the end of all of our programs, be they the public one or private corporate mm. programs. And, you know, just get to the end and say, what would you keep and what would you change? And put people in small groups so they can have that private conversation and then agree mm. which is the thing to share. So just give them a few moments to do it, but let them do it in private first rather than, oh, gosh, I'm in the spotlight now and I've had no time to think. And, oh, it was all great. There's nothing. There's nothing. And that's really unhelpful. Yeah. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because as a CEO, you might have a you might have conversations with key customers. And a lot of that is forward looking and like, what could we do together and what could be new? And that's obviously great. How are you going to get the unwelcome truth from your customers? about what you don't want to do again you know yes. yeah and again you know obviously there'll be escalations as well that come to you as a senior leader mm-hmm. but what about the customers who are not really escalating but they're just mm-hmm. they're just some things going on how do you actually get that out and yeah. um uh, and even from your best customers the ones who you actually have the best relationship with how do you get the welcome truth from them because again it can be easy to go onto all the positive stuff that's happening mm-hmm. but where's the negative side there and also, what are they working around? You know, somebody I worked with a while ago mm. said that she had was telling a client that she was no longer going to be working with them, that she was going to be coming and um, doing some communication training and coaching instead. And the client just roared laughing and said, you know, you are the most amazing lawyer, absolutely fantastic. I read your first advice you gave me, bottom, you know, beginning to end. We had a conversation about it. I worked out you were an amazing lawyer. Did you know I've not read another one of them since? I just give you a call and ask you what your advice is because they're so hard to read, you know. So what workarounds have they got to avoid things that aren't going so well? Yeah. Love it. Mm. Great. So um, perhaps we we leave it there today. I think that sounds pretty good. So we have uh, another episode coming soon and I'm looking oh here's the question what kinds of leaders am I growing that's a fabulous one to follow on from this I think so um, a terrific one to look forward to and if you'd like to have a look at any of the recordings of podcasts uh, from this series or other series that Richard has had go to xquadrant.com forward slash podcast and you'll find a wealth of ideas there for you thanks so much everyone and we look forward to seeing you again bye for now goodbye I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.